I'd like to welcome y'all to Secrets from the South. I'm your friend, Scotty Ray, along with my co-host, Terry. Now, you'll quickly catch on that we don't sound like the man on the 6 o'clock news. We talk a little slower, and we've got a southern drawl. But nonetheless, we've got a great podcast lined up just for you. We'll bring you some interesting stories. They're sometimes crazy and a little unbelievable. But it would be just plain impolite not to share them. So get yourself comfortable. Find some southern charm in a glass of iced tea and enjoy. Before we begin this week's episode, I'd like to send out a very big special thank you to a few states that have really been listening to Secrets from the South. We'll start out at Arizona and work our way through California. A lot of y'all are listening there, all the way up through Nevada and Oregon, and even over to Idaho. And as we cut across the nation, we have to say a big thank you also to Nebraska, through Kansas, Colorado, and down through Texas, and across the South, of course. And as we go up the East Coast, we have to say a big thank you to all the folks in New York, down through Pennsylvania, across to Ohio and Indiana, and as we go up through Illinois and Wisconsin, and all the folks in Michigan, and of course, all the Carolinas. Again, we couldn't make it without y'all listening each week. As we turn to our topic this week for this week's episode, it's about something that everyone deserves, and that is respect. It doesn't matter your race or gender. At the end of life, you deserve respect, and that's what we do in the South. I hope you'll enjoy this week's episode as we dive deep into the funeral. You know, thinking back as a kid, one of the the first things that you learn early in the South is whenever you enter a home or wherever it may be, your hat comes off uh, out of respect. Oh, and you definitely don't have a hat on while you're eating at the table. Nope, you don't do that. And never, ever, and I know it's been done by accident because it does happen because if you're a hat wearer, now, you know, and I wear cow, you don't realize that you got it on anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, you kind of... And you bounce up in somewhere, and then you go, oh, and it's, it's one of the most embarrassing things that, that can happen to you. Well, and even like if you go to a game. Yeah. You take your hat off, and you do the national anthem. Absolutely. And the next thing that you do is, you know, if you're standing outside and there happens to be a funeral, you take your hat off out of respect. And there's several traditions that go on with the South when it comes to funerals, is it not? Oh, absolutely. And I guess one of them would be one that my husband and I just witnessed again, unfortunately, this Saturday. And that was we were coming into town and, you know, you could tell quickly just by the layout of the highway that there was a funeral procession that was headed in our direction. So naturally, out of respect, and this goes without question, you pull off on the shoulder of the road. Yeah, until that last car. You don't, now after the hearse passes, you can't take off. No, you wait for the whole procession to get by you and, you know, and then you move on. And I know that in, I read an article here lately and just trying to prepare for this podcast that said that in smaller towns, especially in the South, and I'd be interested to know if this tradition exist in the north or does it exist in other countries because we're not aware of this but that's just ignorance on our part we don't know and i've been to other parts of the country and i don't think i've just ever in my travels passed a funeral procession outside of the south well and i get why we do it in the sense of if we're smaller towns we have the ability to pull off of the shoulder of the road you're not going to be doing that in irvine or san francisco or Los Angeles, when you're on a major freeway, it just it just isn't going to happen because you'd get nailed. And there have been in recent years where there's been a lot of 
accidents because you have some people that just have said, I'm not stopping, and then they ram the car in front of them from behind. So what does this tell us? tells me the world needs to slow down, Terry. You know, that is a good point, and we talked about slower times, but I'd be interested to find out if, truly, if there is that tradition in our northern states, again, probably in our smaller little communities, or does it exist, or is there some type of tradition where you honor the dead in another country? Because for us, we do kind of claim it's a southern tradition, but it truly is where you're going to pull off the shoulder of the road. And and this goes without question. This is not like you happen to know, oh, well, that's so-and-so's family member. This does not matter gender. It Mm. does not matter ethnicity. It, It absolutely matters none. It is respect for the dead and for their family and friends you know and to my knowledge this goes back to back when we traveled in wagons is you know if you come down with a body in the back of a wagon you pulled over and you waited for it to pass out of respect for the family are you speaking like from an experience where you lived in the wagon days i can't say i did i've just heard tell of old rumors well you know i ran across an article that was in the new york times and this is a little bit lengthy but i thought it was a really good article see now all i hear in the back of my head is that uh but uh, what was that uh, uh dip thing new york city oh yeah the uh pace it was the picante sauce yeah yeah that's what it was new york city but this one is an article that was written in the new york times and it was published in 1997 by rick bragg and he goes on and he's really talking about the courtesy for someone who's died. And he says, for generations, good manners have been one of the rusted rivets that held Southern culture in place. In the past, even if death itself needed to pass by, Southerners would say, after you. For as long as there have been cars, it has been a tradition down here for drivers to pull over to the side of the road or at least stop when they see a funeral procession approaching. There is no law for it, at least no written law. It is just what the people with manners do. They do not let a screen door slam. If company is at the dinner table, they never reach for the last piece of chicken. You know, they want that last piece of chicken, but they wouldn't dare do it because that's manners. And when a hearse and its train of grief come slowly into view, lights shining at half noon, they respect the dead and pull over. But that tradition, born in a time of dirt roads and full-service gas stations, of Packards, Kaisers, and Studebakers, is becoming just as obsolete. It survives only in the little towns and in a few inner-city neighborhoods. Increasingly, drivers are unwilling to give death the right-of-way. Life is very fast, said Hardy Shelton, a 60-year-old funeral director in Birmingham, Alabama, who grew up in Jackson, Tennessee. Now, I, I, here it's as strong. I guess you would consider us a small southern town then because it's as strong as it's ever been. Yeah, and I, I could see how he's saying in Birmingham, Birmingham is a, is a much bigger community than the one that we live in. And you've got interstates that are, you know, that merge into other interstates and they, you know, intertwine. And so I, I could see how... And traffic is so much bigger and, you know, more of an obstacle than we ever encounter. I mean, you know, we get behind three cars 
on our way home and we think we're in a traffic jam. Yeah. I mean, that's honest to goodness truth because we've gotten spoiled. But in a bigger city like that, I can see. And when he mentions that we have gotten in a hurry fast, you just alluded to that. Think about the things that we used to do as kids that we just don't have time for anymore. And again, we're adults. But everything, and even our kids and our kids' kids, they I, I wonder if my child, when she has children of her own, will even know what that means to respect the dead. I feel like this is a tradition that needs to stand the test of time. I don't think this needs to go away. I don't know how you address it in large cities unless everybody pays attention to it. There's always that one driver, though. Well, I mean, and you've got people that now are voicing their opinions through Facebook and, you know, any kind of posting when there's some kind of reference to a funeral. And just some people, you know, and they end up getting in disputes over it because people take one side or the other where they just don't want to have to sit there and wait it out. But the article goes on, it says, it's not rudeness so much that killed the simple kindness of expectancy, the funeral director said. The act of pulling over of making the surrounding world still as the funeral procession glides by is intended for the family of the departed. The gesture not only makes the drive to the cemetery more fluid by removing such obstacles as left-turning cars, it signals the family that even the strangers on the road recognize that the person in the coffin had worth. Drivers pull over to show the family that they recognize the dignity of the moment. That's pretty powerful. It's very. I mean, think about that, Scotty. When you've had to pull over for a funeral procession, doesn't it kind of make you just stop for a minute and think about all the people that are you see in those cars? And is it? Do you ever think about was that an old person that had a lot of family? Was it heaven forbid somebody young? But that person that died had a lot of history. And you got to be buried with them. It's going to be you in that hearse one day. How do you want to be treated? That pops in my mind most of all with that. Exactly. And it goes on to say, the practice did not actually start that way, Mr. Shelton said. At first, it had a practical purpose, he said. Back when doctors still hurried to house calls, motorists approaching a funeral procession pulled over so the doctors could pass at will in the free lane of the two-lane roads. But even when house calls faded into history, people still did it because it was right. Still today on the roadsides and the sidewalks, all heads turn. Talk will stop, even if only for a moment. Even children will go quiet. Catholics cross themselves. Baptists mouth out, sweet Lord. A lot of people may not have gone through death, said Paul Sturr, a funeral director in Piedmont, Alabama, a town in the foothills of the Appalachians. A lot of them don't recognize what a courtesy it is to stop and let the funeral procession pass. People still pretty much stop here. When a tornado ripped through a nearby community in 1994, wrecking a little country church and killing 20 people, the funeral processions snaked through the dogwoods and the pines, one after the other. People pulled over from miles and miles. Some got out of their cars to pray. Think about that if it's somebody famous. Think about the movie The Sniper. Do you remember when he died and they lined up that entire interstate 
and that we've done things that we do for our troopers and for our policemen well, that we've lost. Let's go back to 1977. Let's think about Elvis's funeral procession, 22 Cadillacs long. And, you know, that's the ultimate thing. And, if you know, it's been written about in many, many songs. Uh, the Confederate Railroad had a song called Daddy Never Was the Cadillac Kind. And it's all about his dad, how he worked, how he lived. And then he ends up in a Cadillac at the end of that final ride to his resting place. Wow. That's just one of the traditions that you hope. I mean, it's so respectful that you hope that even if we're not in this small town anymore, you kind of hope that you would go back and visit. And if something like that happened, that you would take comfort in knowing that people still practice that. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. The the guy that uh, wrote the article from Birmingham is saying that Birmingham now just cannot do it because it's too big. Am I understanding that right? Well, I think he's saying that you only see pockets of it. And it probably depends on what little roadway that the funeral procession is going. Like I said, I think he's alluding to the fact that, and this was you know, like I said, in the 1990s, think about what it is today. I mean, everything we do is hurry, hurry, hurry. I'm the world's worst at that. Yeah, yeah, we all are. I mean, I have no patience anymore. My husband will, you know, he'll be the first to tell you, I get in the car, and like I said, there's two lanes that are turning left. Inevitably, you're going to have 15 cars piled up in the right-hand lane and nobody in the left-hand lane. And it drives me crazy because all I'm thinking about is I got to get there and I got to get there in a hurry. But having said that, I still take comfort that if there were a funeral procession, even in, I'm in the biggest hurry I can imagine, there is n- without question that I'm not going to pull over and wait for that procession to pass. And, you know, things happen at funerals. I, I, can, I remember two instances to where after it's over, it's kind of funny, when it happens, it's not quite so funny because of respect. <laughs> right. But... uh and you brought up Birmingham, and I was just sitting here thinking back. I was 17 or 18 years old. Uh, one of my uncles, uh, James Boyd, had passed away, and he had left our little little town of Scuba and moved over there when he was a young man and uh, kind of made Birmingham his, uh, his home. So we go over for the funeral, and I was a pallbearer. I'll never forget it as long as I live. We had somebody pass us, and it was like people in the family wanting to go whoop them that passed the funeral procession, got up beside us. I mean, that was just unheard of. And that was probably in the early 90s. But we get to the funeral, uh, to the cemetery, and the casket is backed off, and the funeral plot is down at the bottom of the hill. You know, it takes six folks to tote you. That lead person tripped. Oh, no. And we had a runaway coffin. (laughs) And I have never (laughs) in my life, you, you know, what do you do? Because I was on the rear end of that coffin, and I saw it going down, and there was nothing I could do, and it was flop, and there it went skidding across there. You didn't hear your uh, your uncle ho- uh, holler, holy crap, did you? <laughs> you sure thought it. And the other time, I was in uh, the uh, Scuba United Methodist Church, and I don't remember who it was that passed away because the scene just kind of took over. The organist was playing, you know, how they give you your final song. And she gets up after she gets through playing and goes to sit down. And she trips. And she flops. And there goes that high heel up in the air. And it was like slow motion as the heel flies up in the air and lands in the coffin with him. Oh, in the coffin? Oh, he landed in the coffin. And it was just a whole hush all over the church as everybody watched as she got up. Dusted herself off, and she leans over in the coffin and picks her shoe up and goes and sits out. 
Can you imagine the embarrassment of that? Oh, my goodness. That sounds like something that I would do, and I'd have to, you know, like cower out of there. Okay, here's the end of the the article, and it says, Most cultures have their superstitions about death, but in Southerners, it is more personal somehow. We must show respect, lest we be in the same place, Mr. Ferris said. Southerners will always be Southerners and still identify with a family plot, a garden, a cemetery, a pasture they see as home, what Eudora Welty has called a sense of place. The grave is finally home. But Mr. Ferris said so many of the traditions we grew up with are definitely changing, part of the urbanization of the South. It is easier to be nice on a two-lane road in rural Alabama than on a six-lane thoroughfare in Atlanta. And I think that's what I was talking about, is we've given way to the fact that we're in a busy commute, we're on a three-lane, four-lane highway, and when we get on there, if you're not going 80, you're just not going. People are just not and they're not having those traditions anymore in those bigger cities. So I take it in these big cities because I just, I could not do it. Even if you couldn't pull over, I could not pass a funeral procession because that would be like, that's like talking back to your mama or something. You, you can't do that, Terry. And, you know, here is the interesting and closing part of the article. And I've kind of skipped around some, but I've read most of it. And it said, it would be easy to blame the Yankees. The influx of northerners that has so diluted some southern populations like that in Atlanta. But Mr. Ferris said that would not be fair. People who moved to the south from outside the region became more southern, adapt our behavior, he said. It's not the Yankees that are changing so much as the southerners themselves. See, and I may disagree with him on that because I've been to Atlanta. And, uh, well, they don't speak our language anymore, Terry. It's not the Yankees that moved into Atlanta. I don't know who it is, but they they don't. Well, I think you see a a diverse population moving in anywhere. You see that in small towns. You see it in bigger towns. But I, I can't help but think, even with those diverse populations, any little country road, any little two-lane road in a community probably of about 60,000 or less, most folks, they're going to pull over and they're going to respect the dead. And if they don't do it because out of respect, they probably do it out of superstition. Because, you know, us Southerners, we have a lot of superstitions when it comes to death. And we've talked about that in an earlier podcast about how you respect the dead. Yeah. You know, the mirrors and, you know, you cover the, the mirror and, you know, that sort of thing. So they probably don't want to take that chance of revving up that that truck and passing on by. And let me just throw this out at you since we're on the subject of, of death and all, because I'm through the years, I've known a lot of people and after they retire, they get a little bored and they look for something to do. And I cannot tell you the people that I know personally that have taken that part-time job at the funeral home. Could you do it? Uh, no, because with that comes dressing them. And all sorts of things you have to do with the dead folks. I I definitely think it's a calling. It's just not my calling. I I could I could not do that. No, uh, uh, it's it's special. You know, down to the folks that have to fix the hair 
Because there's hairdressers that do that. In my heavens, I, I respect you. I could not do it. Well, or just think about the people that have the task of trying to make them look like they did. They did, especially if they've had an illness, if they've had an injury or something like that. Uh, no, could could not do that. But I would find interesting is to be the person that, you know, have you gone on some of these cemetery tours? Yeah, now they're interesting. And they, I mean, you talking about just chalk full of history. And that's what I'm saying is when that person that you may not know from Adam's house cat goes by in that procession, there's, don't you ever find it that there's, there's a ton of history that we may or may not even know about that individual that's, you know, it's a closed chapter for them. It is. And for their family. And that's kind of a way to honor them is when you've got people that reenact, you know, like people that you've had in the Civil War that have been, I don't know, you know, somebody famous. Whatever they do it is. this in our hometown where you and I are from, and it's a big production that they do every Have you ever been to it? Oh, yeah. It's very interesting. And, you know, one of the stories is, is the guy that had all the girlfriends and his wife wouldn't bury him. And they had to take all his girlfriends, took up a collection and buried the guy. And, you know, they tell it so funny there at the cemetery of that. You know, what will you be remembered for? And uh, it wasn't all his money that he had. It ended up being his girlfriend. Well, I, again, it's it's one of those pastimes that I think that I wonder if you and I are having a conversation 10 years from now, 15 years from now, will we still be pulling off and respecting those folks? I think I will because I'm too old to change. Does that I make sense? I think I will too, but I hate that that tradition, and I don't mean it with any pun you know, intended, is dying because we do have a lot of tradition in our country to show respect like you mentioned, take the hat off, pull off for a funeral procession. That's what that's kind of who makes us who we are, and I'd hate to see that die. It's almost like gone with the wind, is it not? It really is. Now, I've heard this story all of my life, and it was told to be true that this actually happened some years ago. Across the Alabama state line from Mississippi sits a little town called Gainesville, Alabama sits right there on the river. Well, there was a traveling hardware salesman that had made his last call for the evening and stopped in a little restaurant there in Gainesville to have a meal. Well, as he went to drink his coffee, he had a heart attack and died on the spot. Well, they went through his pockets and notified his family. And from Philadelphia, Mississippi, a hearse was sent with two drivers to come get him. Well, they pick him up and they head back. And as they cross that state line, they come up on Scuba, Mississippi to a little place called Briggs Five Point. Well, it was the happening place at the time there. All roads came together, had a big truck stop, and they went inside to eat. And from what I understand, they had one of Miss Odessa's barbecue sandwiches, probably the best she ever made. Well, they finish up, and the driver's standing there getting ready to pay, and the guy that's with him says, I'm going to go on out to the car and wait on you. I'll be outside. Well, as he steps out, Ed, who had worked there probably for 35 years, says, Man, I got this fellow over here that's broke down that needs to get home, and he needs a ride. He said, man, we ain't got no room for nobody in here. The guy walks up and says, look, man, I got to get home. I live in the cab, and my wife's having a baby. I'll ride anywhere. He goes, there ain't nowhere in here but with a dead man. He said, that's all right. I got to get home. Let me ride with you. Well, in a few minutes, the driver of that big Cadillac steps out. He ain't got no idea that nobody's riding in the back with the dead man. 
He fires up that big Cadillac and off into the moonlight they go. They're running along about 85 miles an hour, just past the roadside park headed toward the cab. And a hand comes out from behind him and says, Hey, buddy, is it all right to smoke back here? And that's about when the driver left the car. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and will continue to listen more. We promise to provide stories that intrigue you, provide a little humor, reflect our heritage and culture, whether it's strange and alarming. Please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Let us know whether you liked or disliked. Do you have a story to share? If so, we'd like to hear from you. Please email us at comments at secretsfromthesouth.com and provide a brief description of your story along with contact information and we'll be in touch. Until next time, well, you know a secret? Well, maybe you understand respect in the South now.